Friends, in this new Sunday in our Lenten journey, we are met with a passage from John. John 12, verses 22 through 30, through 33. And I want you to listen to where you see yourself in this story and how it relates to your Lenten journey, especially in these times. But before we listen for God's word, let us prepare our hearts and our minds with a moment of prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. 
So in my final year of seminary, I had the opportunity to read a novel for my Christian education course called The Immortalist by Chloe Benjamin. This was a rather fun book for me. You see, you don't typically get the chance to read novels in seminary, let alone enjoy them. The novel is set in the Lower East Side of New York City in 1969. There are four main characters that are siblings, Simon, Clara, Daniel, and Varya. And they sneak out one day out of their childhood home to visit a traveling psychic who claims to be able to predict the exact day of someone's death. These prophecies of sorts then inform the next five decades of each character's life. Each chapter follows how their lives unfold until the very moment of their imminent deaths. Though this sounds rather gloomy, it is in fact a dazzling love story and a remarkable illustration of ambition. It's a deeply moving restatement to the power of storytelling. And this is where we meet our characters from today's gospel lesson. They too are a group of travelers wishing to see a prophetic individual while a little fearful of the unknown. But to their surprise, they learn of an imminent death that later unfolds as a dazzling love story. Now, in the case of John 12, verses 20 through 33, this is not the first indication of Jesus' death we read about in Scripture. This discourse echoes the eschatological scene of the nations coming to the Jerusalem temple to worship in Isaiah 56, which describes the arrival of foreigners to worship at the holy mountain. Isaiah 56-7 is often recognized as the text Jesus quotes when he first arrives in the temple in the Synoptic Gospels. These I will bring to my holy mountain, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. But in the case of John 12, in true John fashion, the Gentiles are drawn to Jesus rather than the temple. This notion just further affirms that Jesus' desire to alert all peoples of his death was not only a foretold experience, it's communal. John is about relationships. This gospel text loves to lift up the deeply intimate and closeness of Jesus' relationships with others. As Dr. Francis Taylor Ginch often says, John is a very familial text. This is the very moment where Jesus invites us to be a grander part of this Lenten love story. I mean, 
if I had the chance to alert some people about my own death, I too might want to personalize the funeral guest list a bit. The author introduces the image of a seed in verse 24 to symbolize community. John captures our imaginations with the image of a grain of wheat to teach us that death can produce much more than new life. It can bear fruit. However, within the larger context, this message is an urgent appeal to inform the Gentiles of his impending death so that they might feel protected as they prepare to witness this act of love. This passage is one of their last opportunities to grasp this idea of radical love that Jesus comes to teach us about. In verse 27, when Jesus says, No, it is for this reason that I have come at this hour. Love is the reason. Last week, we heard Alec preach on John 3.16, a verse we're quite familiar with, For God so loved the world. And our passage today is merely an extension of John 3. For God so loved the world that God instructed Jesus to inform his followers to build a community of trust and plant the seed of this idea of radical love. This is certainly not the way in which we normally prepare for death within the church. If we were to modernize this text a little bit, we might call it not your average funeral, because that's the reality. There are no lavish floral arrangements, extensive tributes on social media, or stale sandwich platters to be found. Working in the church, I have heard a few tales of people's future funeral plans, some more serious than others. You know, there's always someone who requests Elvis tributes or has ideas about the food that will be served at the reception. I know many have pre-selected music or like one of my colleagues arranged a list of music that will not be played at the funeral. While it might seem comical, this is the same vulnerability that Jesus is trying to guide us to in his message here. This final discourse on life and death alone is worthy of thunderous praise. For instance, in verse 30, Jesus reminds those present that this mysterious voice has not come for his sake, but for our sake. This sentiment just further conveys the urgency of Jesus' message. He is cautiously trying to inform the crowds of the events that are about to occur so that we might begin to grasp what a loving relationship with God can look like. It's a pretty radical cost. In my home church, there was a member who told me just about every Sunday that 
she looked forward to having the hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers, sung at her funeral. Now, when that reality came true, as requested, a jam-packed sanctuary united our voices in a roaring rendition of Onward Christian Soldiers. Now, that hymn is not in our most recent hymnal, and the reasons for that are for a different sermon on a different day. The hymn often references traveling, marching, walking, or moving forward into battle. But illustrating our commitment <clears throat> to faithful Christian service with war-filled language does not do justice to the familial Jesus we meet in the gospel according to John. Jesus here, he is not a war veteran or a hero in this text. Jesus is the soon-to-be crucified, the one who gives us a personal invitation to this life-changing love story. Throughout this text, his primary goal is to inform humankind that a devout trust in God will bring about life, a life where we can walk hand in hand and pursue this Christian journey together so that we, too, can bear fruit. One upcoming opportunity to be a bearer of fruit is the Holy Week pilgrimage happening soon at our church. I do hope that you will consider traveling with your church family during this upcoming pilgrimage. There are both in-person and virtual options to participate in. And the purpose of this pilgrimage is not only to further our work in becoming an anti-racist society, but it's an opportunity to come together in the name of radical love, to lament our city's collective sin while we remember the events of Jesus's final days. This pilgrimage, it's meant to be another lap of our journey to understand and embody the power of such radical love. Friends, we as beloved children of God, we are not an army fighting for God. We are simply seeds, tiny seedlings in a large community sitting in the wet soil of Lent, awaiting radical transformation. This is what Lent is for, to migrate from grains of wheat to bearers of fruit. And in doing such, we can invite others into our vision of this radical love. Onward, Christian neighbors, moving towards new life. With a heart for justice, Transform from before Christ, our faithful model, leading us towards love.
forward in our mission, see God's path unfold. Amen.